Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you today. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Had a chance to get to church and maybe enjoy some nice weather. Uh, we had a wonderful service yesterday. Had some visitors who had driven an hour and a half to get there. We, we, we had really had a wonderful time. I'm teaching a new series uh, entitled How to Be Successful. And that message is on Facebook today. It's on bishopewjackson.tv today. If you didn't get a chance to check it, that's bishopewjackson.tv. That's our fallback, just in case Facebook, YouTube, the whole big tech community decides just cut me off, which I'm already off Twitter and I'm suspended from YouTube, so who knows. But at any rate, I'm going to keep coming <laughs> no matter what. They'll never be able to shut me down. Uh, but that message is on bishopewjackson.tv, uh, and it's on uh, Facebook, yesterday's message. And I, I think if you listen to it, you'll see it's about more than simply what you might think. when you say, well, how to be successful. It's based on Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, which says, if you keep the word of God in your mouth and you meditate in it day and night, you'll deserve to do all according to what is written in it, and you will make your way prosperous and have good success. So I won't preach the message today. You, you check it out. Um, I do want to uh, point out that this is our 12th anniversary, 12th anniversary of Stan, staying true to America's national destiny. I told you I had a cup made. We're going to make a couple of adjustments to this because it's not big enough for you to see. But it's the 12th anniversary, July 4th, 2021. We were started on July 9th, uh, July 9th, July 4th of 2009, 2009. I'll get it straight. July 4th of 2009. So we are 12 years old this month, and we're doing a special. I'm going to send this to anybody who signs up to be a Patriot Partner this month. We'll send you a free one of these cups. Patriot Partners um, can sign up for as little as five bucks a month. You can actually do less than that even. But in doing so, we'll send you one of these. And this is about a $20 value, $15, $20 value. Uh, so you'll, you'll get you'll get rewarded uh, if you sign up, say, for five bucks a month. Um, you'll get rewarded for three times uh, your monthly contribution as a gift from us for just being willing to encourage us and to contribute to us. Uh, of course, you can do, do more than that, and some people do, and we're grateful for that. But we just want you to know that we're a grassroots organization, and we have our budget based primarily on the small gifts of donors all over the country. Now, we've got 250, uh, that's close to the number, that may not be exact today, but approximately 250 Patriot Partners now. That's 250 people who give a monthly donation. We want to get that up to $500 this year. We don't expect to reach that this month, but this year. So go to our website, standamerica.us, and do that. Some people do, by the way, send it a monthly check. So if you, if you prefer not to do it online, but you want to send it a monthly check, you can do that. That doesn't cost us anything. As you know, they're processing fees with the monthly uh, payment online. Uh, but we absorb that in our costs. And some people even include that. In, they make that up uh, by adding that to the amount that they give. So, uh, but thank you all for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Uh, we could not have done it without the grace of God and the support of people all over this country for 12 years. This began in a room uh, smaller than my studio. Uh, is sort of sketching out an organization that would respond to what I really believe <clears throat> was going to be the poisoning of our culture 
racially and ideologically when Barack Obama got elected, and I was not wrong. In fact, I believe we're still living with the aftermath of the horrible, <coughs> excuse me, the horrible seeds he sowed during his eight years of being president. So, uh, now, you know, I almost feel like we need to have a moment of silence here uh, because of all the rural people, some of you watching, you live in rural areas. My wife and I live in a somewhat rural area. All the rural people who can't get voter IDs because there's no Office Max or King Codes anywhere near them. And I feel like we probably ought to have a moment of silence just in, in, in mourning of their situation. Because, you know, it was, it was Vice President Comrade Kamala Harris who pointed this out. If you have voter ID, you know, you got people living in rural areas who don't have a Kinko's or Office Max within a thousand miles of them. And of course, they can't go out and buy one of these $50 copiers if they needed to because they don't, they, they, they can't afford that. I mean, they're destitute. They're practically living in the fields in these rural areas. So you can't have voter ID because those people wouldn't know what to do. They probably haven't even heard of Kinko's or, or Office Max. They probably haven't even heard of a copier. It's, it's too bad. Well, uh, you know, we'll skip the moment of silence. <laughs> you know, these people are so out of touch with reality that you, you just don't know what to say for them. I mean, they live in this rarefied elitist air, and they don't know how normal people live their lives. They don't have a clue. And, and I don't think they really care. It's, it's, I know they don't really care. It's just about promoting a narrative that helps them to do what they want to do and stay in power. That's all. And it's, just, it's ridiculous. Rural people can't. They, they, they don't have Kinko's and Office Max near them. I mean, <laughs> you know, first of all, you got these cheap copiers. Used to, they, I've heard somebody on television refer to Xeroxing. We no longer call it Xeroxing. It's just copying now uh, because the Xerox machines first came out. Those things were thousands of dollars. I had some uh, earlier copiers in my office. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, two, three thousand dollars for a copier. Now, a hundred bucks, you go out and buy a copier. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an entirely different world. And she acts like these poor rural people. They've got to copy their ID and send that in. And how are they ever going to do that? You know, the condescension that they have toward the American people is just unreal, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It's just, we, it's as if, you know, we people who live uh, in, in, in our, our elitist position understand all those Neanderthals, those, those people who live, they almost live prehistoric lives. But we're looking out for them, so they've got hope because they've got us. Whew. Man, I'll tell you what. Jason Riley wrote, had the right title to his book. I never read the book, but Jason Riley's book, Please Stop Helping Us. Oh, truer words were never spoken. And look, I, I do want to come to something uh, more serious now. Um, Cubans are rallying in the streets of Cuba right now, demanding their freedom. And the Biden administration has remained silent, said nothing. 
in the same way that when the Iranian people were rising up against the Ayatollahs and that brutal, dictatorial, radical Islamic regime, regime, Obama was silent. Now, Biden is silent while the Cuban people, and by the way, they're waving American flags. They're waving American flags. You've got idiots in our country who denigrate the flag and want to tell everybody that the flag is racist and all this mess. And you've got Cubans who, by the way, are a racially diverse group of people. They're waving American flags because that flag symbolizes for them what it symbolizes for every right-thinking American, freedom, hope, opportunity. They don't necessarily want to come to America. They want freedom in their own country. They'd love to come to America most of the time if they have, think they have no hope of freedom in their own country, but they want their own country to be free because they know that with freedom, prosperity will come. And the Biden administration is silent. And I just wanted to take a moment before we get into the word and comment on this from this perspective. The first time somebody began to talk to me and raise this issue of Marxism and communism, and this was years ago, by the way, I thought, well, you know, Soviet unions collapsed and is that really relevant? Is that, doesn't that kind of sound tinfoil hat-like? No. I was a little resistant. A few years later, I began to think, well, you know, there's something to that, but I'm not sure how far it goes. And then a couple of years ago, I became convinced that Marxism had just insinuated its way into our politics and our culture in a very serious way that it's not necessarily communism, but, but you know, this kind of Marxist thinking. Well, now here I am years later convinced that we are facing an attempted communist overthrow of our country. Now, when I use the word communist, I don't necessarily, I'm not referring to people who are necessarily members of the Communist Party uh, or people who even think of themselves as communists. I'm talking about people who have all the same values and all the same thought processes and the same perspective as communists. So they really are de facto communists. They're, they're communists, in fact, even if they're not communists in title or communists officially. Now, the reason why the Biden administration is not rallying to the Cubans who are rebelling against communism is because it, it, based upon an insight that I got reading this, this uh, book that I've mentioned to you before called Witness by Whitaker Chambers, who is the guy who outed Alger Hiss and a number of other communists who had infiltrated our government during the 1930s, 1920s and 1930s. And one of the things that he points out that I had never really thought about or understood, I mean, he, and by the way, he says that the danger to our country is not just communists, because in terms of, of 
of people who were actually communists. He said there were two groups of people. There were the open communists, people who identified themselves as communists openly. It's not illegal to be a communist in America. And there were those people. They were members of the Communist Party USA. They actually met and they talked, and, and, and it was not a secret, although the things that they talked about might have been secret, but, they, but the fact that they existed and met was not secret. And then there was something called the underground, he says. They did not meet. I mean, they met, of course, secretly, one-on-one, -on -one, that kind of thing. But they did not have meetings. They did not come together in groups. And they never, ever, ever acknowledged any association, affiliation, membership with the Communist Party. In fact, publicly, they renounced communism. But privately, they were communists. And they were working in the communist underground, and they were doing espionage, that kind of thing. People like Harry Dexter White was part of that. So those are two groups. But he mentioned two other groups that you might not think about, because I think this applies to where we are today. One group that he mentioned is the people who, like Harry Dexter White, for example, that they refer to as fellow travelers. And fellow travelers were not members of the Communist Party openly. They were not engaged in in uh, the underground. They were not members of the uh, underground, but they assisted them. So that Harry Dexter White communicated with them, talked to them, received advice from them, and was considered a friend, if you will, of the Soviet Union. Remember, he was very close to Adolf Hitler, very close to Franklin Delano Roosevelt and was in on some of the meetings. He was, he was there at Malta, for example, when Roosevelt and Stalin and Churchill were meeting. And yet, he was not a member of the Communist Party. He was not a member of the underground. But what, what Whitaker Chambers says about him is, for all intents and purposes, he was a communist, but you could never say that as an official fact because he didn't have any affiliation officially that would suggest that. But he cooperated with them in, and basically provided the communists anything they needed or wanted. But then there's a fourth group that he mentions. And these are people who were not part of the open communist party, but they're not part of the underground. They were not fellow travelers. They were sympathizers. And you know who he names them? Liberals. He said, because when the trouble began to break out, when he started to out these, these, uh, the, these um, members of the Communist Underground and started to expose the network, he said the people who rallied to the side of communists who were not in any way officially involved with them, not even fellow travelers like Harry Dexter White, who worked for the Treasury Department and the State Department as well as a high official. I think he was Assistant Secretary of State. I think he was Assistant uh, uh, Secretary of the Treasury as well. But they weren't in that category. They were people on the sidelines. But when, then, when the lines were drawn, they sided with the communists. 
oh, they were, it was too much was being made of it. They were being falsely accused. And this is a witch hunt. They could count on the liberals to rally to their side. Now, I, this brings me back to this whole Cuban situation and, and the Biden administration saying nothing. I guess really for a hundred years now then, maybe longer, maybe since the rise of the Soviet Union, liberals, American liberals, have leaned toward, romanticized, um, had an affinity for communism. They like it. They admire it. They, there's something about it that appeals to them. I, I think it's the logical extension of their ideology. I think it's what they, in their heart of hearts, what they really want. A communist totalitarian system where they get to build the utopia that they have in the warped thinking of their minds that they've got concocted up there, that if they just had the, the same kind of power that a communist dictator has, oh, the good they could do for humanity. Senator Bishop, you may be going a bit far there, but, but, but think about this. The Democrat Party nominated a man for president who had an undeniably communist background. He was mentored uh, by uh, Frank Marshall Davis, communist. His father is, is purportedly his biological father. There's some question about whether Frank Marshall Davis is his real father anyway, but his biological father. Um, communist, his mother, communist, his grandparents, way out there on the far left, and I think there's some, some indication they were part of the Communist Party too. Um, he comes from that ilk, he comes from that background, community organizing, uh, that whole um, construct is really a kind of far left communist operation. That's where he comes out of. The Saul Alinsky model, communist. The Democrat Party nominated him and then he got elected as president. And his background was not steeped in the classical liberal thinking, um, classical liberalism, which we would call conservatism today, of Thomas Jefferson or or John Adams, or uh, George Washington. In other words, the liberty-loving sentiment that birthed America, that's not, that's not, that was not his intellectual background. His intellectual background is in the, the totalitarian-producing ideologies, Marxism, socialism, communism. I don't think that's an accident. He hired a woman named Anita Dunn. Anita Dunn is now working for the Biden administration. She announced to the world that the two most important of the two most important people that she turns to or for advice in count and counsel in time of crisis, one of them was Mao Zedong. Anita Dunn, American. She's now a senior advisor to the Biden administration. Uh, she was communications director for the Obama administration. She has a communist affiliation and background. 
and says that Marx is one of the most important, um, not Marx, uh, well, Marx is, but that Mao Zedong is one of the most important influences in our life. Not making it up, her words. Um, John Brennan, who Obama appointed CIA director, admitted to being a communist who voted the first time he voted. He voted for Gus Hall for president, the, the head at that time of the Communist Party USA. John Brennan. Um, Jim Comey, former head of the FBI, admitted in a New Yorker magazine that he himself was at one point a communist. I'm not making it up, folks. Yep, he was a communist. He said, I, in fact, in the, in the magazine article, he said, I don't know what I'd call myself today. I'm more lean Republican. I think he was lying. But of the people that I've mentioned to you, think about this. Not a single one of them has ever renounced communism. Not a single one of them can be found anywhere to say communism is a pernicious, evil ideology that has done great evil in the world, and we will oppose it at every turn. Never. Never. In fact, what you get is a kind of affinity for it, a kind of... We understand. Obama was quick to try to open up relations with Cuba because, I mean, after all, they've got a great health care system. And you just think about the responses that the left has to communist China today, defending them at every turn. Oh, they're not responsible for COVID. Oh, why are you shutting down travel from communists from, from, uh, from China? That's xenophobic. That's racist. They defend these brutal, vicious communist dictators. They defend them and vilify America. Now, that brings me back to the situation in Cuba. The reason why the Biden administration is not saying anything about this is that they have this affinity for communism. And look at all the great things they've done for people. I mean, you, you've got, you, you have these congressional leftists, particularly members of the Black Caucus who used to go down to uh, Cuba and, and visit with Castro. Oh, what a wonderful leader he is. What a wonderful man. Oh, oh, what a wonderful system. I mean, they weren't the only ones. Bill de Blasio and um, Bernie Sanders and a bunch of them. So I said all that simply to say, let's, let's stop pretending that what is happening in our country today has nothing to do with communism. Let's just stop pretending. Because it has everything to do with communism. Think of the godless ideology, okay? Think of the subversion of values. Think of the 
the denigration of capitalism and free enterprise, because you hear that often now. Capitalism and free enterprise are inherently racist. Um, think of the calls for greater and greater and greater government power, spending, involvement in our personal lives. And you, you know, you can connect the dots and see you, you could call it Alice in Wonderland. But, it, but what, what was it really getting at is communism. That the individual is not important, it's the collective that's important. Identity politics. Now, I said that because I think the sooner we Americans come to grips with this, the sooner we will respond in much more appropriate, aggressive, uh, and, 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 and determined ways because we will then understand that we're not looking at a debate between left and right. We're looking at an attempt to subvert the very nature of our country. That's, what, that's what's going on. This is not a, a debate between center left and center right. We compromise, we reach a decision. No, that's not what's going on. We're looking at an attempt to subvert the very nature of our country. I mean, just think of all the anti-God stuff. I, I just quoted yesterday in my sermon, Jerry Nadler. God has no authority in this Congress, something to that effect. How dare you read the Bible on the floor of the Congress? How dare you? Representative Stubbe from Florida was the one who quoted the scripture and what it says about transgenderism. How dare you read the Bible? The Bible, God has no authority in the Congress, Jerry Nadler says, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Yeah, God has no authority. But Karl Marx has plenty. Yeah, plenty. And we see it being played out. That's why they don't rally to the people who are rebelling in Cuba. That's why, because they're not, they're flying American flags, who cares? They've got it better than we've got it because they've got a communist system down there, which is what we need here. Now, again, they're not going to say that explicitly, and I don't even know that, that frankly, most of these leftists, and forgive me if this seems gratuitous, but I, but I just think this is true. I don't think most of these leftists are capable of thinking clearly enough to see the logical result of where they're going. I really don't. I mean, I think they're pretty stupid, even the ones in colleges and universities. I don't think they've got the sense God gave a gnat. Because look, when you're indoctrinated to think a certain way, you don't need to be intelligent. You don't need to be analytical. You just need to follow instructions. You just need to follow the, the crowd. Just do what you're told. I mean, you don't need to be bright to be a member of a cult. You need to be pliable. You need to be gullible. You need to be easily manipulated. I mean, you know, these people think they're elites, but what we're witnessing really is, is, the, is the, the rise of the dumb to predominance. I mean, you think about that, the way I hear these journalists talk. I mean, how, I just think, how can you be a journalist and be that stupid? You see, they lack common sense. They lack godly wisdom. 
they lack the true meaning of what intelligence is. See, they, they think intelligence is they can look down their noses at everybody else and, and how important and, and sophisticated we are. They think that's what makes them intelligent. There, there's, no, there's no real intelligence without wisdom because you can't be truly intelligent and be a fool. And the word of God says, the fool is said in his heart, there is no God. All right, let me, I just wanted to, 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 to share that with you, that my reflection on, you know, why, why, it, why doesn't the administration, wow, they're rallying in Cuba, and that's wonderful, that's great, because that's not what they feel. They favor, they have an affinity for, an affection for, they romanticize communist totalitarianism. Remember what Biden said before he became president about the, the, the Xi Jinping regime, the, the uh, Communist Party of China? They're good folks. Well, I guess if they're paying, if they're paying your son millions and billions of dollars, to buy you, I guess, I guess they are good folks to you. As far as I'm concerned, anybody who thinks that about the, the communist Chinese regime is a traitor to this country because you ought to know better. And we got a president who doesn't seem to, but that, that's going to change in four years. I guarantee you that's going to change in four years. We'll sweep the whole lot of them out of there because the American people are waking up and seeing what's going on. And I think they're they're getting their fill of it. They've had their fill of it. Um, OK, let's get let's get back to the word here. Um, we're in Ephesians chapter five because we just finished chapter four. So let's get to chapter five. Verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Now, you know, there's the Bible telling you, you're supposed to be trying to act like God. Now, not act like God in the sense that we're the judge of the world, <laughs> no. It means obviously showing the attributes of God, showing the characteristics of God, the character of God, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, um, uh, 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 forgiveness, strength courage, integrity, honor, truthfulness. Be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, be like your father. That's what Jesus said. He said, be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Now, we know we're not perfect on this earth, but he was saying, that's what you strive for. That's what you aim for. That's what you shoot for. He says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. You know, as Christians, we've got to lead the way in this country because we are the only ones who are capable of dealing with the conflict that we face and just still doing it in love. We're the only ones. And I'm the, yeah, I, I've been called a hater and a bigot so many times, I, <laughs> I've lost count. <laughs> but I don't care because I know it's not true. I know that what motivates me is love. Because to tell you the truth, if I didn't have the love of God in my heart for the American people, 
and for the particularly uh, and also for these folks who as the Bible describes them oppose themselves I could live a very nice life just kind of doing my own thing and staying out of all that <laughs> you know I mean very calm very comfortable very peaceful but I wouldn't be true to the love of God I wouldn't be true to what God has put in my heart of concern for other people so that's what we as Christians above all others, have got to lead our way out of this wilderness our country is in because we're the only ones who can do it without lopping people's heads off. Because that's what happens in other countries. That's what happened in France. That's what happened in Russia. That's what happened in Cuba. That's what happens everywhere. That's what's happened in Venezuela. You go back as far as you want. Every time people try to lead dramatic change, and we need dramatic change in our country, not to go to some place we've never been, but to come back to the values that we all once held dear and that all once formed the consensus and wove the fabric of our culture, to come back to those. But we've been taken so far from those by so many institutions that in most cases where you face a situation like this, people resort to violence. We as Christians know that that's not the way that we can achieve the ends that God has in mind. We can fulfill the, the state. We can stay true to the America's national destiny stand. We can stay true to America's national destiny, and we can do that in love. It says, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, that he loved us and gave himself for us when we didn't love him. So that means we sacrifice and we walk in love and we take a stand and we do the things that we do even when people don't appreciate us for it, even when they hate us for it, even when they want to kill us for it. Because that's what Jesus Christ did for us. Yeah. So, and that becomes an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. In other words, it pleases God that we take these stands and that we do it in love. It says, but fornication, wow, what a contrast. Now, <laughs> go to the other side. That's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're not supposed to do. You know, I, I don't think I had a chance to say this in my message yesterday. Well, maybe I did, but I'll say it here. You know, we Christians get so hung up about what we're not supposed to do that we forget what we're supposed to do. And, you know, if we get busy doing what we're supposed to do, we won't have time to think about and be doing stuff we ought not be doing. You know, Christianity is positive, not negative. The, the, the old covenant, Judaism, was all about the negative. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Jews came up with, what, 602 commandments that they had to obey? But with Christians, the commandment to us is positive. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But then as Jesus added a commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Here we go. Walk in love as, uh, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. See? It's, it's positive, not negative. And we need to always be thinking about what God wants us to do 
See, the new man on the inside of you is already predisposed not to do what God does not want you to do. Now, that doesn't say there aren't temptations. It doesn't, doesn't say Satan can't try to trick you and deceive you and sometimes even succeed at it. But we are now predisposed. The new man on the inside of you, the new woman on the inside of you is now predisposed to do the will of God. That's now your inclination. And when you're not doing the will of God, something, something's you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have a pang of conscience, conviction. The Holy Spirit is going to arrest you and say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, what are you doing? Oh, Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't be saying that. I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be thinking about that. You see? Focus on the positive. What does God want? You know, I've said many times, instead of being obsessed about the past and perceived wrongs that someone else has done to us, we should be obsessing about the future and what God wants to do with us. That's the true nature of Christianity. Christianity is not looking back at what has happened to me. Christianity is looking ahead to what God wants to do through me. Christianity is not about obsessing over all of my faults and my weaknesses. It is about obsessing over the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has put in me to do with me what he wants to do. It's positive, not negative. But nevertheless, we're still warned about those things that the devil will try to bring to us to get us off the track of doing what God wants to do through us. So third verse says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. In other words, you know what this is saying? Christians shouldn't be telling dirty jokes. Christians shouldn't be focused on things that are prurient and, 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 and nasty and, and ugly and says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. They're not fitting. In other words, they don't fit you anymore. They don't fit you anymore. I can remember some of the jokes I was told before I became a Christian. To this day, I can remember them. I wouldn't tell them because they're not fitting. They don't fit me anymore. Not because I'm a minister, but because I'm a Christian. I didn't stop telling them when I became a minister. I stopped telling them when I became a Christian. I don't want you to think I'm giving you some sort of ecclesiastical responsibility. I'm giving you Christian responsibility, the disciple, the responsibility of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It says, for this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, let me let me unpack that for a second, because. I'll tell you, I've been focused on this idolatry thing particularly, but it says no fornicator. And by the way, I think fornication 
is more than just having sexual relations outside of marriage, although certainly that's included. But I think fornication is having intimate relationship with something that is against God. Intimate relationship with something that is against God. In other words, when it's in your life, it's in your thinking, it's in your behavior, it's in your schedule, it's it's it, it's got it's got a whole it's got its hooks in you. That's spiritual fornication. I don't care what it is, gambling, drugs, alcohol, um, maybe a job that is just got you doing something absolutely against the will of God. Spiritual. There's a spiritual fornication. Certainly sexual fornication, but there's a spiritual fornication, too. Uh, no fornicator, unclean person. In other words, somebody who is engaged in doing things that are just unclean. And you can run the gamut on that. Here again, that goes from the sexual to the, to the um, I mean, you, you realize embezzlement is an unclean thing. If somebody is stealing money, that's an unclean thing to do. So here again, we, we read the scripture often, we go immediately to sex, but the scripture is much broader in its implications than that. Again, that's included, but it's not limited to that. It says, so no covetous man, somebody who wants what somebody else has. I've met people who would stab you in the back, figuratively speaking, to get what you've got and will plot with other people to try to take what you have, whether it's a position or a role or it's, it's, it's some kind of status in a certain situation, they're covetous. See, I, I do not believe that anything God has for me, you can take away. And I certainly don't believe that anything God has for you, I can take away, and I don't want to. I really believe that what God has for you is for you. What God has for me is for me, and I should rejoice in what God is doing for you, and you should rejoice in what God is doing for me. And if I learn something from you, or I, I, I get inspired by you, or I see you doing something, I think, wow, I, I really believe something like that is what God wants to do with me. Wonderful. I mean, I, I've become friends with Andrew Walmack. The man has a, a, a ministry. I, I, I don't know what they, but million, tens, tens of millions of dollars a year. I don't have a budget anywhere close to that, okay? I don't have any, I rejoice in what God has done with Andrew Walmack. I don't have any envy or jealousy. Well, well, I, you know, I, got, I wish that, I rejoice in it. Because God has done some things for him that inspire me and encourage me and bless me. But I don't want what he's got. And look, and even if anybody was stupid enough to try it or want that, you think God would let you get away with that? And you know, there's too much jealousy in the body of Christ. Too much, too much. Some young ministers get jealous of their own pastors and want to want to overthrow them. I mean, that's that's ungodly. That's that's demonic. 
No covetous man is entering the kingdom of heaven. That's the other thing. If, you, if I can't get into the kingdom of, coven, co, uh, kingdom of heaven being covetous, I don't want to be covetous. Oh, my goodness. Let me, let me try to finish this, this section up. It says, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, a kingdom of Christ and of God. And you know what? We have created, I, I, I don't know whether you realize this, but we have created identity idolatry. Identity idolatry. And people idolize their identity, whether it's their racial identity or their gender. What, what, is, what, is, what is gay pride? About? What, what is that? Pride about what? Not to, I mean, the, the, not to mention the sinful, perverse nature of that lifestyle. But if that's supposed, supposed to be your identity, we're, we're, I mean, if that's supposed to be how you were born, which is a lie, but let's just accept, okay, you say that. So, so where's the pride? Were you responsible for that? It doesn't make sense. Of course, it's not, that, that's, it's not, homosexuality is not a, a, a matter of birth. It's a matter of choice, please. It's, and it's a matter of sin. But, you know, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. I'm about to say, well, proud of what? Yeah, you didn't choose it. You didn't earn it. You didn't make yourself black. So what? pride is something based upon something you accomplish, something you achieve, something you do. Wow. I'm really, uh, I mean, and, and of course, we as Christians understand there's a godly pride, meaning that, I'm, I'm basically, really, it's a way of expressing, I'm grateful to God that he used me in this way. That's what that basically says. But there's a self-pride. Look at me. Look at how great I am. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've got. Look at who. How can I be proud of this? See, don't misinterpret me. I, I, I didn't create this. Maybe God can be proud of it <laughs> because he did. I didn't. What I can be is grateful for who God made me to be. Grateful. Not proud, grateful. See, when pride gets in, that's when idolatry comes in. And I've met people, I've got to go, but I've met people out. In fact, you know what? I'm going to come back to this tomorrow because I need to expose, expound on this some more. But I've met people, and I've said this is the same thing that happened in the antebellum South and maybe in other parts of the country as well. That's now happening in modern America, and particularly in the urban centers of our country. Racial pride and idolatry. They're, they're two, two sides of the same coin, and both are equally sinful. Americans of European ancestry who thought that they had something to be proud of because they were quote-unquote white. And now Americans of African ancestry who think they have something to be proud of because they're quote-unquote black. And neither one had anything to do with it. Pride has nothing to do with it. Gratitude for who God made me to be and how God wants me to use me in the context, wants to use me in the context in which he placed me. Fine. Oh, yeah, I, I get that. And I am. I'm grateful. I wouldn't want to be anybody other than who I am because this is who God wanted me to be. Thank you, Lord. I'm thrilled with it. 
You said this is who I'm supposed to be. I, that's, that's all I need to know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's it. But thank you, Lord, because you did it, not me. Now use me for the purposes of which, for which you made me. Because I love you and I want to be used by you. You see the difference? And I can understand, by the way, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. I understand the sentiment because that, those things were being said at a time when people were told that the color of your skin made you less than human. From some circles, they were hearing that. And so I can understand that kind of response. But we, we should have matured from there as Christians to understand that that's not the proper answer. The proper answer is, why should I feel denigrated because of the complexion of my skin when God gave it to me? And why should you look down on me or I should look or should I look down on you because of the color of your skin when God made you look like who you are? What we ought to do is celebrate what God has done. Thank you, Lord. You know, God, God is the God of true diversity. Look at nature. True diversity. But God creates everything to fit together. Not to be in conflict and apart. See, human beings turn it into this. God made it to fit together harmoniously, beautifully. A mosaic of creation. Sin came in and ruined it all. I've got to go, folks. God bless you all. I love you. Pray for me. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Wisdom Awakening. And I'll be with you today at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on American Family Radio for The Awakening. Until then, remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.